You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, that's what you get to do today. You get to hear, see a little bit of it. And what you're going to be able to see here in just a few moments is some of our missionary couples sharing their ministry and what was happening in their ministry. In particular, I want you to pay attention to Zach and Mary Veslick. They're uh, new to our team. We're just beginning to partner with them. You'll get to hear from them. But then you'll also get to hear some of our other Global Outreach staff people who they're going to be sharing Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and they're going to be doing that in different languages. That's great. We'll have a good friend of mine that's going to be sharing from the word and sharing stories around the world, Jonathan Martin. Jonathan and I have been good friends for a long time, but we also partner together in, in training some leaders around the Northwest, and that's, that's been a great privilege, a great joy, and you'll enjoy listening to Jonathan. He's been here before, and he will share some incredible things. Then we're going to wrap up with a song, a song, uh, People from, from the World, Again, praising God for how incredible he is and what's happening all across the world. Well, let's take a moment, and I want to pray. Pray for this service. Pray for this time. And I do pray that you would walk out of this time and you would just be blown away with how incredible God is and what he's doing all across the world that you are partnering with. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for, gosh, your overwhelming, unbelievable, amazing heart for us, but also for the world. In times when things seem pretty crazy, you're not, you're not fretting over it. You're working. You're moving. So in this time, Help each person who's listening now get a glimpse of you and how awesome you are and what you're doing all across this world. May everything we say, everything we do glorify you. In Christ's name I pray for your glory. Amen. Greetings to Grace Community Church in Gresham, Oregon from Sri Lanka on the far side of the planet. We are Ted and Renate Rubish, and we are so delighted to be able to give you greetings uh, from our neck of the woods where you have been partnering with us for, I think, over 30 years. Uh, we are involved in leadership training and uh, development for the church in this country. Uh, our goal is to help provide a core of leadership that is biblically uh, literate, uh, theologically understanding and uh, practically skilled for the work of the ministry here. Um, I teach at Colombo Theological Seminary in the capital city and also in Lanka Bible College in the city of Kandy where we, where we have lived for the last 30 years. Uh, during this period of the COVID crisis, <clears throat> we've had to uh, shift gears radically from live teaching to completely online teaching. This has been a new, brand new experience for us uh, proving in the process that you can teach an old dog new tricks. And so as we've learned this, uh, it has been uh, quite an exciting adventure to move into a whole different kind of teaching. 
We've been surprised and blessed and encouraged at how smoothly and how well it has actually gone. When we couldn't shift out of here during lockdown, we've been able to do our full raft of teaching and it has gone really marvelously well. So one of the uh, really benefits and blessings of this was that the both schools were really pushed forward to develop, um, they were kind of pushing the deep end and develop the, the online teaching platforms and, and, and helping all the teachers to get on board. Uh, and one of the really um, exciting things is that uh, like in my class, I'm a student, not a teacher, but in my in the counseling track, in my the class I'm taking this term, we have instead of an average usually of 20 students, we had almost 40 students participating in this class this term. So this online platform made it possible for so many more people from across the country to join and to uh, be part of this education and also in Ted's class, his, the, he taught a master's class, was one of the largest classes that the school had in the master's program. So this has opened up opportunities for um, many people to join who couldn't join otherwise and so we hope that this is really a step forward and in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. And so we want to thank you again for your partnership with us over these years. We've gone through some very good seasons and some very tough seasons but you have stuck with us through thick and through thin. And we want to just tell you how grateful we are and say thank you. God bless you. We can, we're can. we looking forward to the next time we are in your neck of the woods and we can see you face to face again. Bye bye now. Bye. Greetings to all of you at Grace. Jeannie and I are well, staying close to home these days. As I'm sure many of you are. Like all of you, we're adjusting to a new normal. For the past 26 years, I've traveled at least a week a month into the various countries of Latin America. For the last five years, my work has focused on indigenous peoples in the Amazon and in highland regions of Latin America. We've developed a strategy called Knowing Jesus that uses segments from the Jesus film to plant new missional communities. People are always amazed to have Jesus stories in their own languages. We now have 250 language versions of the Jesus film in our area with more on the way. The Apostle John writes in Revelation 7, 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands. What an amazing vision to think of people from every nation, every tribe, all people groups, and every language standing before the throne. I can hardly wait to see that congregation. Well, we've been able to equip and train hundreds of indigenous leaders in 70 of those languages so far. I want to tell you about one of them, Hainer, who works with the Shawi tribe of Peruvian Amazon. I got to know Hainer a couple of years ago when he uh, went with me into the Amazon region of Colombia to train Tacuna tribesmen. He's really an amazing guy. You should have hear, heard him relating to them because he's so knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeable about fishing and agriculture. Uh, his region, however, has suffered tremendously during this time of coronavirus, mainly economically as their usual markets for fish have fallen apart. In spite of the hardships, he told me last week that he had continued on in ministry and just baptized 30 new believers. 
Well, our trainings have changed since we can't travel this year, but surprisingly, people are more available. We're focusing on training missionaries and leaders who minister to indigenous peoples, and we'll be able to go back in as soon as the doors are open. Last week, I did a three-hour Zoom training for leaders in Baja California, Mexico, and we're already getting news of new groups that have been planted. Well, Jesus is our king, and he's in control of all of these circumstances. Of course, Jeannie and I look forward to being with you for Mission Sunday, and we look forward to being there in 2021. But for the remainder of this year and on into 2021, the Holy Spirit is active. He's moving in the hearts of people, and new groups are forming. Thank you for your partnership, and God bless you. Hi, my name is Zach. This is my wife, Mary, and we live in Asia, and we've lived there for the last 12 years. And we have five girls. Um, their ages are 14, 12, 9, 6, and 3. And baby number 6 is on the way and due in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and we are thankful to be able to start this partnership with you. And uh, look forward, hopefully, at some point, meeting uh, many of you next time we're back in Oregon. Um, wanted to share a quick story with you of uh, a new brother. Um, the people group that we work in is um, a small people group, and the believing population is even smaller, maybe 65. Um, and um, a brother of mine, we'll call him Z. Z and I met another man named Kay, who is um, in kind of a halfway house for drug addicts and alcoholics. Um, Z and I started a Discovery Bible study with Kay. The first time that we met, it was really good. Some great discussion happening. Second time was terrible. Felt like it went really bad. Um, our friend Kay just seemed like he wanted to argue most of the night, and Z and I left very discouraged. Um, the next day, Z had given Kay uh, the Psalms uh, in audio form, and he was listening to the Psalms um, pretty much for two weeks straight, and uh, just soaking it in, loving it. Um, after two weeks, um, Kay gave his life uh, to follow Jesus, and Z and I were super excited, and I had the chance to sit again with Kay um, a week after he um, started following Jesus, and he was a totally different man. Um, we sat in his room on this kind of dingy bed, um, and he said, Zach, tell me what it was like when you first believed, because this is amazing. He said, I used to look at the men in this room, in this room that, I, that he shared with people, and I hated them. And something happened in my heart, and I look at them now, and I love them. Um, and I was so encouraged. My brother Z and I were so encouraged. Um, just to see the new faith, um, to see the transformation already, just so quick in his heart, um, moving from um, anger uh, to loving the people that were around him. Um, so we would uh, appreciate, we'd love it if you would pray for these brothers and sisters. Um, very few. Um, it's kind of a harder place to be a follower of Jesus. So please pray for them. Um, pray that they would be strong. Pray that they'd be um, 
walking in faith. Um, and also pray for the many who don't know Jesus. Um, there are many. We would love to see many more come. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much again for your partnership. And uh, we'll see all of you sometime in the future. God bless. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, Lord Jesus, would we be willing to take you at your word? And would we be willing to believe it? And would we, as a church, as a people of God, as a people of Jesus Christ, act upon it? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to share a verse with you today that is um, actually... Uh, one that's hard for me to believe. In fact, over the years, I haven't believed it. In fact, today, I still struggle believing it. And it came from the lips of the Lord Jesus himself. And here's what he said. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Now, I can believe that the workers are few, but what I have a hard time believing and I've always had a hard time believing is that the harvest is plentiful, especially today. I mean, turn on the news. The harvest is plentiful. Um, you see riots, you see people in rage, you see chaos, you see people who are shaking their fist at God. Um, you, you see things that you just don't believe that hearts are prepared. And, and we choose to believe the lies of TV. And we choose to believe the lies that the enemy tells us that, that says, no, the harvest isn't plentiful. People's hearts are closed. People don't want to believe. People don't want to hear it. Well, the fact is, all of us, if you're a believer in Jesus, there came a day where you wanted to hear it and you responded. And for us to think that others don't is deception. And I think we all in the church get, and at times are deceived, um, in crazy ways. Let me tell you a deception of mine. I was in Pakistan once and was traveling down the Karakoram Highway and I remember being in this, this little stone hut drinking some tea and having some dinner and I started talking to this guy I'd been on the bus with all day, a Pakistani, about Jesus. And I said something that pushed some buttons and suddenly, whoom, there were all these guys with these Osama bin beards around my table arguing with me against um, what I had said about Jesus. And it's just like, it was intimidating. I'm the lone guy up here in these mountains in this hut, and they're all fired up and fiery. And I concluded that day that, um, first of all, I'm not going to work with Muslims, ever, and that they're close to the gospel. Both of which were a lie. <laughs> My wife and I ended up working with Muslims and loved it. And were they close to the gospel? No, we saw many believe. In fact, while we were ministering to Muslims, we had two women come and visit us. And I want to share their story because this is from their mouths. This is what God did in their lives. And they were some of the most encouraging moments I've ever had in my life among believers. These two women were from Iran. Now, how many of you remember the Ayatollah Khomeini days? Okay, I, I can't see you raise your hand there, but raise it anyway. If you were alive in the 70s, you remember this 
these, these crazy people in Iran just chanting and praising and worshiping the Ayatollah when there was this revolution in Iran and it became so conservative. Shia Islam just took over and everybody's in frenzies and we're looking, whoa, the harvest is not plentiful. These are people who do not want to hear. These are people who do not want to know the gospel. I remember that was the last people I would ever think would want to hear the gospel. But meanwhile, these two women, while this is going on, both are studying in the United States. They're graduate students, in two, they're sisters, but one's in California and I think the other's back east somewhere and they're both studying, they're brilliant people, degree, getting their degrees in mathematics. And guess what? Somebody in the church was brave enough to believe this verse, the harvest is plentiful. And Different people, unrelated to each other, didn't know each other, invited these women into their homes. By the way, only one out of ten international students in their four years of studying in the university get into an American home. That makes me think that we don't believe the harvest is plentiful. If they're here and we don't reach out. But Christian families invited Muslim women into their homes at the time of this craziness over there in Iran. And these women heard the gospel independently of one another. They responded to the gospel. They trusted Jesus. Their lives were changed. They were super afraid to tell the other what had happened. But one day, a day of public confession came. I forget how it happened, but they found out the other believed and they just embraced each other. And they said, we're going back home. They didn't stay here. They went back to Iran in the midst of that frenzy. And they started just reaching out in Jesus' name. But even before that, they started off in prayer. And they prayed. I have never seen two people, or one person, one person together, pray so much. Their life is constant prayer. Not, not, neither of them ever got married because they don't have time for marriage. They're always praying. But they're praying that the Lord of the harvest would send labors into the harvest because it is plentiful. And as they started praying, God did miracles. They, they had the Jesus film and back in the 70s. Do you know how you had to take the Jesus from these monster DV, or not DVD players, video, VCR players. And, and there's police on the streets that check every purse. They're checkpoints. You have to go through these checkpoints. And they check the purse in front of them and they're looking for makeup from these women in their purse. And if you get, have makeup, you go to jail pleasant place to be. Fortunately, I, I just don't use too much makeup myself. But so they're, they're, they're confiscating. And right in front of them, they stop the gal. They have a VCR and the Jesus film in their bag. And it's monstrous. Little purse with makeup. She's arrested. They let them right through. I said, how many times did you go through checkpoints? And they said, hundreds. With the VCR? Yeah. How many times were you stopped? Never. And there they showed the Jesus film. There they shared Jesus. There they started a prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting, hey, let's meet all night. These few believers, radical. They met all night. They prayed all night. And they said, that was so much fun. Let's do it again tomorrow night. And they did it tomorrow night. And, and what grew once, from once a week to twice a week to five nights a week, all night prayer. And from that prayer began this revival. Spontaneous worship songs would come that would be written down and sung and would make its way through the, the churches. And the church had to be small because they couldn't have this big open churches because, not because of COVID, but 
because of persecution and the multiplication began and it just began to multiply and God did miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Bibles were an issue. They didn't have many and so they had to smuggle them around. True story right from this woman's mouth. They knew the guy that was driving the car. They didn't smuggle the Bibles. They, they tried to sometimes go through the mountainous and back ways, which you could avoid the checkpoints. You wouldn't have the securities, but you're going through areas where there were bandits and there were rebels in the mountains. And that was a risk. They'd rather face the bandits than the authorities with these Bibles. Driving the car around through the mountains and suddenly the steering mechanism locks up and the car won't go. He can't drive it. He can't turn the corner. And uh, he's what in the world is wrong? He gets out, he bangs things, he doesn't know how to fix the car, he's working under the hood. Why is the steering mechanism, you know it's how it locks when you turn off the key, but the key wasn't turned off. They kept turning it off and back on, still locked. And over the hill comes a guy with his, his, his gun strapped around his shoulder, one of these bandit fighters coming toward the car and he's frantic. You know, he's praying, God help fix the steering wheel. You know, anything. And this guy's getting closer and closer. Actually, it's a couple of them with guns coming down to the car. And, um, Freaking out, finally, he tries to get composure. Okay, God, help me deal with this man. And the man comes up to him and says, do you have the books? And he goes, well, plays naive. What books? The, the holy books. Do you have them? And of course, in his trunk, he did. But how does this guy know? What do you mean, what holy books? Well, Jesus just appeared to our village. And he told us, go down to the road because there's a man in the car with the holy books. Go get them and bring them back. And um, so guess what? The guy actually did what the guy said with the gun and gave him the holy books. And Jesus had appeared to this people group and said, go. And then there was someone there with the books. God was making a way in a crazy way in the middle of a country that we had forsaken, I think, largely. But thank, thankfully, because of these people that invited these women into their homes, shared the love of Jesus, they're touched by the love of Jesus, took it back to their countries, the church has been growing and growing. Well, these women, several pastors back there in the 70s were on hit lists, and they were... Um, being killed. They, they actually, the government killed one of them and the cry went up from the world, you can't kill Christians. And so they just put them, they had a hired assassins to go kill these guys. Well, three and number four and five on the assassin list was these two women because it's, they were so instrumental on the church. And uh, the organization that was working with them said, we're pulling you out of the country and we're getting you out of there now. And the women didn't want to go. No. In fact, I still can't remember, I don't believe what these women said. Are we not worthy to die for our Savior? And the organization says, no, we just have value. We value you and we still want you to have impact. And so they left their home. And before they left their home to get on the airplane and fly out before they were killed, they were pleading with their mom. Mom, you've got to believe this. You see the reality. You know Jesus is real. You've got to believe. And mom goes, I can't. Well, why not, mom? Your father, he will never permit it. I can't, I can't believe. Now, Mom, you, you can, please believe us. You can, you can trust Jesus. And they left the home with, with the mom saying she can't because of the father. And these women got in the car and prayed and prayed and prayed for their mom. Years later, they go back. And mom tells them the rest of the story. 
the minute you walked out of the house, Jesus walked in and told me, don't worry about your husband. You follow me. You follow me. And she did. And her husband came in, saw, saw her change in her countenance, knew what had happened, never said a word, let Bible studies and small groups take place in their homes. And he, though, he, though he wouldn't come in to them, he would sit there in the doorway around the corner and listen every time they had a Bible study in their home. So what started with a couple of women and some other people coming to faith and believing in God now is there are over a million believers in Iran, over a million pushing 2 million, the fastest growing church in the nation, forsaking Islam. And I told you about the makeup. Yeah, Iran is the number one makeup seller in the world, okay? It's just, they are rejecting this thing called Islam and they are embracing, not just makeup, this person called Jesus. And this is a country that I had given up because I believed the lie that the harvest is not plentiful, when indeed was the most plentiful harvest on this planet at that time. Do you know where the second most plentiful harvest is right now in the world, where the church is growing right now, number one's around it? It's unbelievable. But it's the place that we would say <laughs> the harvest is not plentiful. It is in Afghanistan. My wife and I had the opportunity to be able to go there and there, there, are, there are people who love Jesus that are living in that country right now. Um, and all of them who've been living there for any time at all have had friends, other believing friends who are there sharing the gospel have had their best friends killed, murdered right in front of them some, sometimes and they stay. There's this one gal, she's from Brazil. I'm not gonna mention her name. We got to meet her. Um, so from Brazil, a Brazilian believer, because God is doing amazing things in Latin America, that they are a mission sending force to these countries. And Brazilians can, can walk some of these countries with their, with their faces and their color that I can't walk. But she is there and she is making such a profound impact. She, she works at the university. She, she, um, she works um, in a public health office there in the university as part of an NGO. And, and sometimes she's actually not doing public health at all. She's actually praying. And when the people are like miraculously healed, then she actually tells them that it wasn't just a massage. She was actually praying to Jesus. <laughs> and it wasn't her massage that healed them. It was Jesus. And the stories this woman has, the faith she has, the miracles she's seeing, the people who are coming to faith, the, the people who are begging her to come over. While we were there, she's going, I'm going to this meeting now. I saw the police chief. He was healed of a couple miraculous things, and now he's invited me into his village. And, and she did not know if it was a setup and she was going to be murdered or if people were really coming to be prayed for and to hear the gospel and to be healed. She was not certain. She shared with us. We prayed for her before she left. And she went anyway, you guys. And she saw miracles happen. And it was the real deal. People were coming to see the power and love of Jesus radiating from this woman. And the church is growing there. Unbelievably. These are places that I had, in my mind, said the harvest is not plentiful. But Jesus says it. 
It's plentiful. Are we going to believe it? Or are we going to believe the lies? You know, um, not just in Central Asia, not just in, um, in, in China, it's unbelievable the things that God has done. Again, that's a country that, hey, once Mao took over, we gave over. But the harvest that has been in China, nothing has ever happened like that in all of the history of mankind. The millions upon millions, literally more than 100 million people coming to faith in Jesus. Um, but I had the privilege of another um, work in, at the church that we did of running into some missionaries that were doing some extraordinary things in, in Africa. Do you realize that the African continent, the reason it never has really um, grown and developed and um, it is the tribalism that goes on. And the tribalism is so deeply and, and where the message of Jesus has not gone, and, and I can testify this, this is true in Iran, this is true in Afghanistan. The concept of forgiveness, you, you should forgive somebody, is unknown. It's not even in some of the Afghan Persian languages, it's not even a word. It's basically, the only word they have is to, to not seek revenge. It's not a word. Because the concept is so foreign, we don't realize that forgiveness exists in this world and it's a concept even psychologists who don't believe in Jesus are grabbing a hold of it because of a man named Jesus who said forgive who embedded it into the Lord's prayer forgive well we see this with this retaliation and this tribalism that is just taking place in Africa and the only answer to the tribalism is forgiveness and without Jesus, with just the witch doctor, there is no forgiveness. With, with the, the cell phone, the arrival of the cell phone, that does not bring forgiveness. With the arrival of Nike shoes, that does not bring forgiveness. It's only the gospel that brings forgiveness. And we had the amazing privilege, my wife and me and our whole church, to be involved with a movement of God where the tribalism was at its all-time worst. It's a people group called the Karamajong, Northeastern Uganda the most scorned, forsaken, forlorn people pretty much on the planet. Um, Idi Amin was, was, was attacking them mercilessly. They were so backwards. They were, you know, there's a, a movie made back in the 50s uh, on them, and it, it was called Karamoja, where the people wear nothing but the wind. The British didn't even help them develop. They wanted to keep them as a human zoo. That was a Karamojong's, so you could go and see how the natives used to live. And, the, and Idi Amin came in, was slaughtering them. Finally, when Idi Amin was overthrown and his armies that were out there ran away from their guns and pretended they weren't part of Idi Amin's um, army, the Karamajan got those weapons. And suddenly they were armed and they unleashed fury on all their neighbors and did cattle rustling and they, they attacked all the tribes around them. And then the, tr the conflict turned, because the only people that had cattle now were them, and it turned intertribal. So the clans were warring with one another. And when I first went there, we partnered with a missionary on the ground, um, a gal, a single gal who'd gone in to live in this war zone. It had been 20 years, 800,000 people, 200,000 AK-47s. The church, there was a handful of churches and none of them were growing. You had children under 12 and ladies over 80. That's the only people in the churches. Everybody else is engaged in war and in retaliation and hatred. Um, this gal was living amongst them and, and she knew she couldn't do it on her own. She knew she needed to partner with the church. Not only can we be having 
students coming into our home who are studying from abroad, but we can be involved with our missionaries in profound ways as a church. And we got involved and said, what do you need? Um, she was endangering her life every day living out there, but she said, a day is coming where I'm going to need some, some gray hairs. And uh, the first time I was there, let me tell you what it was like. You had this clan over here and you had a 15 mile no man's land or a dead man's land. Nobody lived in there because this tribe would go over and raid against them and then they'd come back. Anybody that tried to live in there or grow crops in there would get killed, slaughtered, murdered. Um, one out of, um, at the time, it was said that one out of three person would die from gunshot wounds in the whole tribe. That was the rate that people were dying in their lifespan. Nobody could stop it. 35 failed attempts at peace, NGOs, the UN, the government of Uganda, the army of Uganda, nothing worked. So what happened? Well, it was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened is she said, hey, I need the gray hairs. She had built the relationship. She, had, she was a veterinarian. She had built the relationships with these people. They loved her. They trusted her. So when she invited these gray-haired men to come speak to the elders, and they heard the gospel, and they understood that they were forgiven. Some of these men who came to this meeting had these, they're like tattoos. They would cut themselves open and smear ash into into their shoulder. For every person they killed, they had to go through a purification ceremony. One guy, 29 murders. These are people he knows he's murdered, that he knew they were dead. Countless others that he didn't know if they died or not. And on his shoulders was his own efforts to find forgiveness. They know they stand condemned before God. They know there's no forgiveness in the witch doctor. And when they heard the gospel message, these elders, first of all, the church leaders, the, the few that were there that hated each other, they repented. Second of all, the elders repented. And then immediately upon their repenting, they, they called the tribes to come together. And in these dead man zones, these no man zones, immediately villages went up. And in the power of the gospel, this whole place was changed. The UN goes in, suddenly in these dead man zones, there's entire villages of this clan living with this clan and they're loving each other. And the UN goes, what did you do in here? And she says, it's God. No, no, they didn't like that answer. I wonder why. No, what did you do? What, were your, what was your strategy? What was, and she goes, it is God. God did this. It's the power of forgiveness. The story is a long one. It's a beautiful story, but I remember telling it to, to my dad was part of a men's club, like the Rotary Club down in Arizona. And one guy goes, I loved your story, but I hated the fact, why does it have to be in the name of Jesus? And I said, because there's, there's no forgiveness in the name of anybody else. It's not until they understood that they were forgiven, they were incapable of forgiving others. Let me share this. This is powerful. This was written by an atheist. And he hated writing it, but he had to admit that it was true. He grew up in Africa, and he is now a British guy. He's a British columnist. He, his, his name is Matthew Paris. And he wrote an article about 12 years ago, about the same time that this miracle started in um, Karamoja. By the way, in those dead man's lands, you know what nobody went into right now? K kids, you know, they're cattle raiding people. Kids, eight years old, I've seen them 
running around with their cows, with a whole herd of cows, and they're unafraid because they even, they even um, anybody who tries to steal cows is going to get caught and they have to pay back three for every one they stole. So it's like, let's send the kids out. Maybe they'll get stolen. And they get caught every time. Justice has come to a place where there was no justice. Peace has come to a land there was no peace. And it's all because of Jesus. Listen to Matthew Paris, and here's what he says. This is an atheist, now a confirmed atheist. I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the work of secularly, secular NGOs, government projects, and international aid efforts. Like I said, they couldn't do it. 35 failed attempts. These alone will not do it. Education and training alone will not do it. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. He hated to admit this because he doesn't believe in, in God. But he sees the impact of the Christian missionary who brings the pure gospel to transform these people. Those who want, this is, he's still going on here, those who want Africa to walk tall amid 21st century global competition must not kid themselves that providing the material means or even the know-how that accompanies what we call development will make the change. A whole belief system must first be supplanted. A belief system that's all over the world, one of revenge, of retaliation, of hatred, of an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, must be supplanted. As he continues, and I'm afraid, <laughs> as an atheist would say, it has to be supplanted by another. Removing Christian evangelism from the African equation may leave the continent at the mercy of the malign fusion of Nike, the witch doctor, the mobile phone, and the machete. This is an atheist who more than anything doesn't want to admit this, but sees the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to not just change individual hearts, which it does, but then to go out and change and transform society, to change everybody that's out there. What God is doing around the world is unbelievable. And he says, and he says, with no uncertainty, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. And I wonder, is it the reason the workers are so few is because we don't believe that the harvest is plentiful. And I ask you, what's your attitude at work? You come home, well, the people at work are so close to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you really know that? Or has Satan duped you with one of his lies? You know, you're not going to turn on the news and come to the conclusion that the world is ripe for harvest. Because I don't care what news channel you watch. Um, it's, they will incite fear. They will do other things to keep you watching. It's, it's, you're not getting God's message from the news you're watching. And I encourage you to turn it off a lot more and, and read what Jesus said. Look at what he has declared. The harvest is plentiful. Is that true in the United States? Well, no, we're post-Christian. Nobody wants to believe anymore. You believed the lie. My dear sister realized that she read this verse and um, 
she realized, boy, when was the last time I actually shared the gospel with people? Uh, wait a second, she said. I heard it as good news. There's other people out there that want to hear it, that need to hear it. I just need to believe what Jesus said. This was just a few months ago. And so she took the Lord at his word and started sharing her faith again amongst, right here in the United States. And within the month, three of her friends came to faith in Christ. And she realized Satan had duped me. And I think Satan works to dupe me. Again, he tries to callous my heart. He tries to convince me that no, the world is not ripe for harvest. When he said it was. There are 17,000 um, 17, people groups in the world that have their distinct languages, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. 10,000 of those have a gospel witness. 7,000 do not. 3.7 billion people are living without a gospel witness. Who's going to go? How are they going to have a gospel witness? A present believer, somebody who loves Jesus in their midst, who can share the gospel. And yes, there are dreams and visions. My wife and I know people who've had dreams and visions and they're unbelievable. But let me ask you a question. When did the Apostle Paul, now think about this and answer it in your home. When, did the, when was the Apostle Paul converted? Okay, answer it in your home there. And the answer is, on the road to Damascus, wrong. He was not converted. He was blinded on the road to Damascus. His whole worldview was was undone on the road to Damascus, but then he was directed toward a man, a man named Ananias who explained the good news clearly where he was baptized, where scales fell from his eyes and he could see. The vision, the dream wasn't enough. God's plan is to send us out, to send the church out. It, there's not another plan. He his plan was to invest in the 12 who would invest in their 12 and so on and so on. And he's asking us to invest. He's asking us to, to, to dare to pray for the people at work and let them know we're praying for them to, and, and to be willing to share the good news. He's asking us to bring people into our homes who are here as students. The, the harvest is plentiful. And you just invite them over for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. Have them in your home. Let them see the love of Jesus. Let them see the power of forgiveness. And he's asking us to get behind our missionaries, to pray like mad. You know, I remember the days those warriors repented in, in Africa. The day they repented, the moment they repented, we had a Saturday night service. It was Sunday morning in Karamoja. All of us and our whole church were on our knees during the Saturday night service praying for their repentance. And it broke out, weeping and wailing. These men who, never, men who never weep and wail because that's weakness, embracing their enemy, forgiving their enemy. The man with 29 scars puts down his gun forever, picks up this book and says, this is my new weapon. And he's an amazing evangelist the numbers of people coming to Christ, the transformation that takes place. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Let's believe his word. 
Let's understand the condition. And then it says, beseech the Lord of the harvest that he would send out labors into the harvest. I'm going to ask you a question. Lord Jesus doesn't tell us how to pray for too many things. Here, it's very clear. Send out labors into the harvest, Lord. When was the last time you prayed that? When was the last time, Lord, send out workers into the harvest? It's a little scary to pray. Because it might mean me. But you guys, that's not scary. Just as those two women, Molly and Vaji are their names, were not afraid to die for Jesus. When you know the transformative power of the grace of the Lord Jesus, fear is cast out. And you're willing to step into these places. You're willing to, to die for him. It's not a scary thing to pray that the Lord would send out labors and that it might mean me. It might mean your kid. It might mean that's a little more scary. But we pray. And then the irony is right after they're through praying this, guess what Jesus did? He sent them out. They prayed and guess who got to go? They did. So may this church be one that is known for praying that. May this church be one that is known for sending out its own and getting behind and praying. And, and may God do amazing things through the, the missionaries you just saw in those videos. They need you. They need you praying. They need you praying that God would send out laborers. They're working with the first laborers in these countries that will go out and will do the reaching of their own people and beyond. So be praying um, and be praying for Bob. Um, I love Bob Maddox. He's going to be out training leaders all over the world. And, and the training that is needed is, it's, it's desperate. Uh, it's, it's the one thing that we as Americans can do best is to train these people to reach their own and beyond. And um, I'm privileged to get w to work with Bob. And I know you're going to miss him around here, but just join up with him and keep praying for him. Follow what he's doing and you will hear you will hear the amazing things that God is doing. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are sending out laborers into the harvest. And Bob being one of them, the Veslicks being one of them. Lord, I, I thank you that, that I've had the privilege of being in their home with their five girls. Now they're six girls. And the love that radiates out of their home into the culture from what they model and what they are able to preach. We thank you. Lord, thank you for this church that is behind so many. And may there be no one who believes the lies of the enemy that there is no labor to be had. That is from the pit of hell. Lord, may I not be touched by that lie. May we believe what you say and go into the fields for it is white with harvest. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God's amazing grace. Jonathan shared it well from God's word. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Lord, I, I just pray that you continue to work in incredible ways all across the world in, in ways that are beyond what we could ever imagine. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. 
For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.